So they don't know if you can spread it like when you're not showing symptoms, which would be the worst case scenario because you could be walking around thinking you're completely healthy and then spreading this virus just willy-nilly everywhere. I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. Today, Reisham Sansi talks about her study abroad experience in China and how the emergence of the coronavirus cut it short. Then, Joe Kotke discusses the concerns surrounding the coronavirus and how that has disrupted the Fordham community. Finally, Luke Osborne gives some health tips if you're worried about the coronavirus. This is Retrospect, the official podcast of the Fordham Observer. Joining me now is Reisham Sansi, whose study abroad trip to Beijing was cut short because of the coronavirus. Thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Reisham, can you tell me about what the study abroad experience was like for you before all this started? When we got there, everything was great. It was fun. We had our orientation, and we were actually on a two-week trip to the Yunnan province in China because we weren't going to start classes until um, early February anyways. So we were doing well. We had just started our trip, and we were in, like, the third city, and it was like around that time where we started hearing more about the virus but we were also in little villages so it was like less well known in a way we weren't like constantly reading the news we were kind of preoccupied um and then when we went to one of our next major cities it started getting a little more intense like during the bus rides like from city to city there was more routine traffic stops like they always have traffic stops in china but uh, this time it was like there were a lot more and people would come in the um, bus and sometimes they would take your temperature, sometimes they wouldn't. Um, and then when we got to the next major city, basically we were told that it might get shut down. So like that means people can leave, but you can't re-enter. So we decided to cut the trip short. So we had three more days left of our excursion, but we just took like a nine hour bus ride to the nearest airport and like flew back to Beijing. Um, And then, yeah, we were in Beijing for a little bit before they decided to cancel the program completely. Can you talk a little bit about what the experience was like on the ground? Did you get a sense for how bad it was going to be at the time? I can't speak to now, but while we were there for sure, and possibly because I'm in Beijing and not Wuhan, um, it really was not that bad. I feel like it might be a little more sensationalized here since we only see pictures of inside Wuhan. Um, I guess it was similar in a way since in Beijing, like everything was shut down and everyone was expected to be in self-quarantine. But at the same time, I guess because maybe they've dealt with the SARS epidemic before, people really weren't that worried personally like everything was still like the restaurants might not be open but delivery and takeout was still open 7-eleven all the fast food chains were open um people were like i said people were still taking ubers there was obviously some restrictions like for the ubers you can't take it from one city to the next city but you could still be ubering around the city so while there were some restrictions and people were being precautious like everyone's wearing masks double masking um 
at the same time it was like life was almost continuing as normal it was just like a little less crowded at places and more people were trying to stay in if they could but if their livelihood depended on it they were just going on with their life can you talk more about what the chinese government's response was did you get a sense for what that was i think they were being very precautious like there was a lot of news outlets and like media obviously talking about it 24 7 but also like giving number updates like every day every hour actually um and they had the traffic stops where they were checking and checking everyone's passports and checking um temperatures and yeah i guess i'm not sure what the exact like response was but they had told everyone to like try to stay inside and like wear masks wash your hands the basic things you can do to avoid this virus that's what the sense I got. Also, they canceled the program right before the travel ban from the U.S. to China, right? Yeah, it was, um, I mean, it was definitely, like, assuring to be back because I think the days after I came back, like, the next three days, that was definitely the peak where they were having the most number of cases confirmed and, like, the growth rate of it all was very intense. Um, but at the same time, I did really want to stay there, so I was a little upset. Um, coming back to Fordham was honestly a breeze because uh, for our for the Gabelli School, our dean was so helpful with everything. And the day we let him know, like within four hours, he was on a call with us and he had made like sample schedules for us, um, us seeing like me and th- two other Fordham kids who were on the program. Um, and he had like already emailed all our professors and told them we were going to join their classes and he was like very willing to work with us and even res life gave us housing within like two days which was amazing so coming back was it was really easy to come back Um, obviously there's still like social stigmas and things like that I personally didn't experience any from Fordham at all Um, and Fordham was like checking our temperature every day twice a day for two weeks so yeah it it's it wasn't bad it was like obviously i get that we had to do a little more but if this is a comfortable enough subject could you Mm -hmm. talk more about the social stigma yeah so people i think here might be a little misinformed about it for example even today from what i heard about the career fair like you're not supposed to shake hands with anyone is what people were saying at the career fair however it's a respiratory disease so just like breathing next to someone coughing sneezing that's how you get it mostly like obviously germs and like washing your hands is a big thing as well but I just think like either like it's almost like you have to choose that if you're going to be precautious then you should wear the mask you should not touch anyone but at the same time if you're not going to be that precautious, then it's almost like it might not be beneficial to just say, oh, let's not shake hands because you could still get it so many other ways. So I think people here might not be as informed about it and that so they might act like differently like that. But there's there. Yeah, they just don't have the full picture, really. Um, and then most of my friends and stuff like that, they were all fine with it. Obviously, you get the question like, are you sick? <laughs> but it's really not. They no one seemed to be too bothered in the, in my my social groups. But yeah. So you've mentioned a couple of times that students may not have the full picture. Um, can you talk more about that and maybe point to some resources where people could 
sort of learn more about it and, you know, become more informed about coronavirus and what's going on in China and how that affects them? Yeah, so I'm not sure exactly about the resources just because some of the stuff that I've been keeping up with is on WeChat, which is like the popular Chinese uh, messaging app. And they have like special articles that you can follow and they'll update you hourly. Um, But even just reading the news obviously is so important. But even then, reading American media is different than reading Chinese media. So like it's good to have like to analyze both and make sure you're seeing the biases in both sides because clearly like neither side is probably showing the 100% the full picture Um, but I think just really reading up on it because people are very worried um, and it is a big deal because obviously there's been over a thousand deaths now but at the same time there's been 7,000 people who have recovered so it's like it's just important to see both sides of the picture. Do you have any final thoughts or things that you'd like to say to anyone concerning coronavirus or the students who were in study abroad? Um, To everyone who's in study abroad, (laughs) good luck. (laughs) Um, No, I think everyone's um, catching up with their work and everything really well. And I know people who were going to go to the Shanghai program have found other programs to hop onto if they didn't want to come back. So I think mostly everyone I know at Fordham has had a good time. Um, I think just last words would be, like, if someone's wearing a mask, it doesn't mean that they're sick. Like, they're being preventative. So it's just, like, don't treat people differently because of your assumptions. Like, definitely make sure to talk to them. And if you're curious, ask what's going on. But, yeah. Rasham, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Joining me now is Joe Kotke, Assistant News Editor. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Glad to be here. Joe, can you talk to me about how coronavirus has affected the Fordham community? Well, as we know, coronavirus, um, the outbreak happened quite rapidly. So it actually happened over winter break when it became a confirmed virus that was spreading in Wuhan, China. And quite a few students actually at the Lincoln Center campus had been planning to study abroad in Shanghai and there was already some students in Beijing. So now what happened with both of those programs were both, they were both suspended. So the students who were already in Beijing were able to actually travel back to the U.S. before the outbreak caused all the travel gridlock and whatnot. But unfortunately, the program in Shanghai was canceled as well. So those students didn't even have a chance to go. So the entire study abroad program in China is no longer available for students? Correct, at this time. What happened to the students who were originally going to China? Well... The students originally were barred from registration because at the time the decision was made, um, the classes in New York had already begun. Um, And all the programs through London, through South Africa, through Spain, the registration had already closed as well. So basically what happened was students were barred from registration anywhere. But luckily the study abroad program and working with the deans, they were able to place students in classes, but it has led to quite a bit of catch-up for those students. They've had to come into classes almost a month late and catch up with the other students who have already been placed. Do you know how they felt about it at the time and how they're feeling now? Yeah, I think, like anyone would, the students were feeling very frustrated when it happened, but of course it was out of control. 
um, of Fordham administration. I think some students wish it was handled a little smoother, but talking to administration, they feel as if it went as smoothly as possible. Going forward, do you know when the study abroad program will be returning to Fordham? Well, for China, I'm not for sure right now, because what we're seeing nationally is all American universities are trying to pull back their students um, as this outbreak is spreading so quickly and now that over a thousand people have died from it. Universities don't really know quite what to do. I know that for the Beijing trip, which is not study abroad, but it was for the Gubelius Honors Program, they were hoping to travel this spring, but the dean did give notice that it could be a possibility, but as we're seeing this epidemic spread into a pandemic, it's, it's probably a no. As far as the other study abroad programs go, have any of them been affected? Uh, not that I'm aware of, just because the main programs, the main other Fordham campuses in the UK, in Spain, and in South Africa, all the registration was already closed. So there was no influx of students who were going there last minute. The study abroad program is working with other international programs not related to Fordham for students who did not want to return to New York. So they have another option. Have you had the opportunity to speak personally with the students who were supposed to go and study abroad? Yeah, I've actually been in contact with a few, um, and we're actually conducting a follow-up story right now just to check in. Now that we're almost to midterms and they are back in New York, how it is going, just because it definitely is not an ideal start to a semester. Uh, do you have any inkling of how they feel right now? I think right now they're feeling still frustrated, but probably very overworked, just because um, professors took in these students, but they expect the same work as the students who have been there since the beginning of the semester. So I'm, I'm assuming they're pretty busy right now. Can we shift the conversation a little bit to broadly how the coronavirus has sort of affected American universities? For instance, there have been reports of xenophobia against Chinese students. Do you know if any of that has come to our campus? As of right now, we have not heard any reports of xenophobia through public safety, which is good. Obviously, around New York City, there's such pressure. There's just so much anxiety about this just because we're such a big city and politicians in New York have said it's in inevitable that it probably will come here and there have been um, unconfirmed cases of it. But I think around college communities, since everyone lives so close together, I think it leads some students who maybe haven't been as open to having international students around, depending on where they grew up, that unfortunately it has led to some xenophobia, yes. Do you know if Fordham has any contingencies in place or any plans in place for if coronavirus becomes more prevalent in the United States? Yeah, I think they were very proactive about it. We've been receiving emails from public safety since we came back to school early January. I think it is difficult since we're a city campus. Um, I don't know if that would result in suspension of school because a lot of students and international students would not have anywhere else to go particularly if they we're supposed to go back to China for our Chinese international students. So I'm not for sure how they would handle it, but I th I do trust our administration that I think they've, they've shown how pro proactive they are. We're around Mount Sinai. We have a very high academia of medical culture in New York. So I, I, I feel pretty safe, I'd say. Do you find that students on campus are concerned about the coronavirus, or is it just sort of something that exists in the ether? I think that in the United States we're so egocentric that 
it seems like a foreign disease, which I think is important to realize that's not. I think it's important to educate ourselves as students here and realize it's not a Chinese disease, it's not an Asian disease. We've seen coronaviruses exist all throughout history. So anyone is susceptible to it. And even though it's technically in the East right now, there is a possibility it could be here. Yeah. Do you have anything to say to anyone who feels like they might be in a position of concern over the coronavirus, whether it's because of study abroad or because they're just feeling worried about it here at home? I would say now is not the time to worry. Um, I think, yes, it is a very dangerous disease and it's something that we should be aware of. And unfortunately, it is impacting thousands of lives right now. Luckily, and that's partly our privilege on where we live, but right now it's not in our region. And I think a lot of New Yorkers are scared and that's led to you know the medical masks actually being sold out. But um, talking to professionals at Mount Sinai, if you're usually a healthy person, buying a mask can actually decrease your health just because of the germs on it. Um, so I'd say right now there's, there's, there is a natural amount of anxiety, but I think we can all let go of that stress for right now. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thank you. Joining me now is Luke Osborne, who wrote about whether or not you should wear face masks this flu season. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So, Luke, a lot of people are really concerned about the coronavirus right now. What can you tell us about it? I can tell you that it is a very contagious disease that could be a problem here, but right now it is not. And from what I've heard from the medical community is that it's good to be alert, but not anxious. And like the flu, it is a respiratory illness that is spread in droplets of water that are expelled from you when you cough or sneeze. Can you tell us what exactly it is? So a coronavirus is a family of viruses that we've actually seen before. So they cause the common cold, which is something that everybody's had, but that's obviously a very mild version of the coronavirus. And other more severe versions are like SARS, which was an epidemic in 2003, I think, in China. And also recently, there's another epidemic of coronavirus in the Middle East. So as students in New York City, how concerned should we be about the coronavirus? Right now, I would say there is, um, from what I can tell from public health professionals and what they've been saying, it is not a huge concern for people who are not in close relation with people who have visited China recently. And by visiting China, I don't mean people that went there over the summer. I mean people who, like, visited in December or January because it is a very new outbreak. There has actually been a case in New York City, so it's not something that has been isolated to China. It's now in the United States. What's the best advice you can give for those who are concerned? And what does that have to do with whether or not they should wear face masks? Well, one thing about just to clear up the person who has been identified to have it in New York, that person is under quarantine, so it's unlikely to spread from that person if it's spread at all when they were not contained. But beyond that, 
face masks first. The CDC does not recommend that people wear face masks, and those the people they're talking about uh, are people who are not showing symptoms of the coronavirus. So the symptoms are coughing, shortness of breath, and fever, I think. If you're not showing those symptoms, and those symptoms are really nondescript, if you are asymptomatic, show no symptoms, you do not have to wear a face mask, according to the guidelines from the CDC. But if you are showing those symptoms, it would probably be a good idea, especially if you are confirmed to have the coronavirus. But if you are confirmed to have it, then that's a whole other story. Um, some other things you can do, though, that are more effective than just wearing a face mask is to constantly wash your hands. Um, something Fordham students can do, I've, and especially if they're commuters, is uh, if you noticed where you scan in in Lowenstein, uh, there's a little uh, Purell pump right next to it. Just take a little pump from that. It will clear all the viruses that you picked up on the subway from your hands. And another thing to do is actually, this is something that the director of University Health Services recommended is to clean surfaces that you're gonna use that are public. So like even, uh, this may seem a little neurotic, but if you certainly are concerned, it won't hurt. Uh, and it, the janitorial staff might appreciate it. You can carry around disinfectant wipes and just wipe down surfaces in the library and in Argo before you use them. And also uh, avoiding people who are, well, not even before avoiding people who are sick, you should contain your cough and your sneezes. In order to sort of minimize the spread of coronavirus, can you tell us what students can do and how the virus spreads in the first place? Unfortunately, little is known about how it spreads. Uh, more information is coming out every day, but all of the reports are really varied. Uh, just to give you a general sense of how viruses can spread, some viruses uh, you could catch, like measles was a good example of this. Or let's talk about Ebola. So there's a period called the incubation period. So that's when you first get come in contact with the virus and the moment, the period after where you start showing symptoms. So we don't really know how long that is for um, the coronavirus. They think it's seven to eight days, I think. Um, and that's why public health officials have been monitoring people for 14 days, just to make sure they're well past the incubation period. So they don't know if you can spread it like when you're not showing symptoms, which would be the worst case scenario because you could be walking around thinking you're completely healthy and then spreading this virus just willy-nilly everywhere. Or if you only start showing symptoms when you start hacking and sneezing and all over the place which is more how the flu spreads, um, and also how Ebola spread, which is why Ebola didn't really take off um, as a global pandemic, because you knew that it would only really be spread when someone was deep in the symptoms of Ebola. So you would not let that person get on an airplane thus. So yeah. But as of now, we don't exactly know how that works for coronavirus. Nope. Do you have any final pieces of advice for anyone who's still concerned about this? I will say, personally, I volunteer in the ER, and 
at first I was very scared to go back to the ER because of the coronavirus because all I was hearing about it was from the news outlets and it sounds very scary if you go on the New York Times they have like so many articles about it right now and everything just seems very terrifying it's good to if that is really terrifying you it's good to take a step back from that first of all because it is not an immediate danger to you it's looming of course could it be perhaps but it's not immediate right now. And I'm gonna say the second thing is that there are more dangerous things that are more immediate to you right now, and one of them is the flu. And the flu actually kills about, I think, upwards of 20,000 people a year globally. So that is a much more imminent threat and something that you can protect yourself against right now by getting the flu shot. And a lot of the prevention procedures that you would take for preventing the flu are similar, we think, for preventing the coronavirus. So, two birds with one stone. Thank you so much, Luke. Thank you. This has been Retrospect. I'm Kevin Christopher Robles. See you next time.